Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me in the Betters Box. This is ATS.io's MLB betting podcast. I am your host, Adam Burke. A lot of stuff going on over at ATS.io right now. Of course, moving all of our Bang the Book radio content over to ATS.io. Got back on the air on Monday with Kyle Hunter talking college football and the NFL, so make sure you check that out. I will say that uh, you know we try to keep all of the links and all of the RSS feeds the same by just changing the display name over from Bang the Book to ATS. If you're not getting the episodes, I apologize for that. Please let me know if you are having any issues getting access to the podcasts here now that we have rebranded under the ATS.io name. Shouldn't have an issue. I think everything is still okay and good to go with Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, all those types of things. I think everything's still okay, but if it's not, please make sure that you let me know. Hit me up on Twitter at SkatingTripods, or you can email me, SkatingTripods at gmail.com. We'll be doing the betters box here on Tuesdays and Fridays, at least for now. Uh, That that format, that schedule is subject to change, depending on what we find out here as we make this transition over to a new site, kind of get some more audience trends and stuff like that. Going to be in the Circa Million here this year, so I'll be giving those picks out uh, on Friday, either in a video or in some sort of audio format. So there will be that going on as well. Uh, You know, again, just a lot of moving parts right now, a very busy time of the year, to say the least. So we're doing the best that we can to figure out what works and what doesn't here with this move over to ATS.io. What I can tell you is that my daily MLB picks and tips piece has been moved over to ATS along with a lot of my other feature content. I wrote up my college football power ratings over at ATS, did the opening line report for both college football and the NFL over there as well. Going to have a golf preview for you today for the Safeway Open. Bangthebook.com is still up and running. We still have picks and preview content over there. A lot of stuff from our good friend, Charles J. A lot of things from Admir Algic. I'm going to be over there contributing a little bit as well, but Still trying to figure out this new schedule with everything that's going on. So please bear with me and bear with us over at ATS.io. As I mentioned, we're in the Circa Million. I was out in Vegas last week. I talked about that uh, on last Thursday's edition of the Betters Box. If you still want to sign up for the Circa Million, the Circa Survivor, or the Westgate Super Contest, check out Maddie and Tony over at footballcontest.com. They've been our proxy service. Got to chat with Maddie last week when I got into town a little bit. Uh, Things going very well for them. Things going very well uh, for the most part there out in Las Vegas. But if you want to sign up and take part in the overlay for those contests, the Circa Million and the Westgate Super Contest, make sure you reach out immediately to Maddie and Tony over at footballcontest.com. And if you don't live in the state of Nevada, you need a proxy to put in your picks for you in those two contests. So once again, footballcontest.com, Maddie and Tony do an excellent job. Over at ATS.io, we've got sportsbook reviews for all of the legal sports books in the United States. Part of the reason why we made that move uh, to sort of get away a little bit from the offshore marketplace. And of course, some big offshore news, as we saw yesterday with five dimes, no longer accepting US players. But that was kind of the mindset with the move over to ATS.io. So you know, that is something that you certainly want to take a look at there uh, with you know the different sportsbook reviews, different coverage of the states, uh, a lot of the industry news as well, to go along with all the stuff that you would expect to see 
lots of picks articles, predictions articles. Uh, you know, we got an odd screen over there. We got a lot of good things going on over at ATS.io. So make sure you check it all out. And I think that there's no time like the present to talk about something that uh, has already affected me and is probably affecting a lot of you as well. There are a lot of sports going on. And this is something that, you know, in the month of September, we're generally not used to. We don't have the NBA or the NHL in the month of September. Major League Baseball is kind of winding down. But we've got college football, NBA, NHL, MLB, NFL, tennis, golf, soccer, NASCAR, Formula One, IndyCar, UFC. There are lots of things going on right now at this point in time. And I know that the betters box is generally supposed to be a baseball show as it has been throughout, even when we were doing the KBO over the summer. But I wanted to spend a couple of minutes talking about this because I think it's a very important concept for you here today uh, on the podcast. How do you keep all of this stuff straight? And I will tell you, you know, I'm even kind of drowning a little bit right now with everything that's going on. Of course, the move over to ATS. There are a lot of things on my mind right now and trying to handicap all of these different sports, especially playing some catch up with college football and the NFL, not being fully sure that these things uh, would actually get going, paying more attention to the NHL and the MLB. And of course, covering golf and all the stuff I cover uh, on a weekly basis here. It's a challenge. And I wanted to give you a few tips here on, on what's kind of worked for me in terms of keeping it all straight. And the first step I think is to be organized. You know, you have to budget your time wisely. You have to know what you want to work on. You want to be organized. You want to have maybe some folders of bookmarks with the different places that you do your research or having Twitter lists, you know, the different beat writers that are out there. That's something that's very important. Another thing I think too, and this is a big time challenge for me, is finishing one job before starting on another. You know, you you don't want to have a lot of loose ends out there because sometimes you may forget to go back to those things or you may miss something because you didn't do a thorough job finishing all that stuff up. It is an overwhelming time of the year, to say the least. Again, if you try to do too much, you can really bury yourself. And for right now, like I said, doing all the different things that I'm doing, trying to cover industry promotions from the different sports books and all that type of thing, it's a challenge. It's hard. And and I'm somebody who's done this for several years in the business. And this is my job. This is what I do all day long. For a lot of other people that are out there, you're working a nine to five. Maybe you've got kids that are doing remote learning. So you're trying to help them out a lot more with schooling. Maybe you're getting back to your job or something like that. Maybe you work in an industry where things are busier than normal just by the nature of what's happened here in 2020. So budget your time wisely, be organized, focus on what you can, focus on your strengths, put more time and effort into those things. You know, we talk a lot of times with college basketball about conference specialization, just because it's hard to know about all 353 division one teams. If you can focus on a few conferences, maybe that's better for you. So maybe at this time, If you're doing well in MLB, stick with it. If you've historically done well in the NFL, dive in head first. You know, if you've done well with college football, but haven't done well with some of the conferences that are playing right now, like the ACC or the Sun Belt or the Conference USA, something like that, maybe you kind of take 
little bit more of a cautious approach with that. You know, focus on the markets where you feel like you've got the biggest edges. Look, the NFL market is really sharp. You're not going to have some level of groundbreaking analysis in the NFL. All of that stuff is out there for public consumption. So how much time do you want to spend on the NFL? If you've generally done well with it, then you've got something that works. If you haven't done well with it, well, maybe you focus on some of the other markets that you have a better chance of beating. If you want to play the NFL, there are a lot of context clues out there in the betting market with the odds movement that you can play off of. So I think what you really want to focus on here, maybe this is the most important point of all, self-awareness. A lot of handicappers don't have self-awareness. They think they can do it all. They think they can make all of these great calls and have success in every single one of these sports markets. That is not the case for 98% of bettors that are out there. If you bet, know why you're betting. Is it a hobby? Is it something you just enjoy doing? Is it something where you've, you're good enough and your bankroll is big enough to supplement your income? Is it something where you're taking those steps towards maybe making this a career for you, a professional handicapper or somebody who's in the business covering it from a variety of different angles? Self-awareness is very important. I have a lot of strengths. I have a lot of weaknesses. I know what my weaknesses are. I try to delegate writing about those different sports markets. I don't know shit about soccer. I don't know shit about tennis. I don't have the time to learn anything about tennis or soccer. So I don't write about them. I don't know anything about IndyCar. I'll write up a preview about the Indy 500 because it's a big event. I don't know anything about IndyCar. I don't know anything about Formula One. I don't really cover those. I don't know a lot about NASCAR, but it does fill a void for us. So I do the research and I put in the time and I carve out time to do that. But I try to stick with my strengths. This season, we're doing okay in, in Major League Baseball. I'm trying to stick with that. I've done well in the past in college football. I'm trying to do as much work as I can to get prepared for that. I'm not a great NBA handicapper. I haven't done a whole lot with the NBA here in the bubble. But, you know, again, the nature of my job requires me to know about a lot of these different things. If you're not working in the industry and you're not betting professionally, focus on what you do well. Put your time and effort into things that are going to be plus EV for you where you can find some edges. So with all this stuff going on, I just wanted to talk about that a little bit here on today's show that you can get overwhelmed, you can get caught up in everything, but you've got to be self-aware enough to know your limitations, know what you do well, know what you don't do well, and try to focus on those strengths. And as time permits, try to work on those weaknesses. You know, if you do have a market that you say, you know, look, I really want to get better at this, then maybe that's what you put your time on. But you also have to keep in mind that you are taking away from your strengths a little bit with so much going on. So again, I know that you come here for baseball analysis and insights and all of that, but I think these are really important talking points here uh, with everything going on right now across the sports betting landscape. So we talked beyond the box score here about Major League Baseball for a little bit. Offense from September 1st to September 7th. Remember, I've been looking on a Monday to Sunday basis here with baseball. 256 average, 331 on base, 431 slugging, a 329 weighted on base average, a 105 WRC plus. 
So 256, 331, 431 last week, 254, 334, 430 the previous week. So as I talked about on Thursday's show, it feels like we've settled in now. This is the new normal. And quite frankly, it's a pretty standard normal. So I think the odds makers do have a good feel for everything that's going on right now. I would expect the over-under market to really settle in nicely. We had a lot of unders early on. Then we had a rash of overs. Now everything kind of balancing out a little bit for the most part. Yesterday accepted, of course. But, you know, it's been a new normal here. And it's pretty much a standard. So I got something that we do want to keep in mind here is that right now things are pretty normal, which is a little bit surprising given how this 2020 season is working out. But from a total standpoint, offense has really stabilized. So that is something that you want to factor into the equation as your handicapping totals. One thing I wrote about today with the picks and tips piece over at ATS.io is that you know the Red Sox are playing a doubleheader today against the Phillies. And I sort of wondered here, with about 20 games left for a lot of these teams, uh, the Cardinals obviously still have a lot of games to make up, but these teams that aren't playing for a whole lot now, the bottom feeder teams, the Red Sox, the Royals, the Rangers, the Nationals, the Pirates, the Diamondbacks. Those are your six last place teams right now. And all of them are in last place by a pretty decent margin. What becomes of these teams here with 20 or so games left? I mean, what is their engagement level? And specifically, what is their engagement level if they wind up getting one of these double headers where you have to play at least 14 innings that day? I think for the most part, you know, those teams probably won't be too invested, won't be too engaged. and. I think that when you start looking at some of these teams that you know are not going to make the playoffs, they're facing teams that are fighting for the playoffs. You know, you've got a wide open playoff race in the National League. Now all of a sudden you've got a little bit of a wide open playoff race in the American League with the last couple of spots kind of hanging in the balance right now. There are a lot more spots accounted for in the American League than in the National League, but you've got these teams that aren't very good that are in the playoff hunt right now, like a Seattle, like a Detroit, stuff like that. And what we're going to see here is that, you know, the Astros and the Yankees are really struggling right now. And what's going to happen with this is that because they've got track records, because they have expectations and are now settling into these must-win types of situations, the market is probably going to overvalue teams like that. Especially if they wind up playing teams that are kind of fringe contenders. So we'll see this a lot more in the National League where we've got a lot more playoff spots up for grabs, but the market will give preferential treatment to the been there, done that type of crowd. So I kind of wonder about that. I just, in general here, sort of talking in circles a little bit, but just in general, with these teams coming down to the stretch run here, the teams that aren't invested will probably continue to get beaten pretty badly. The teams that are invested and have track records will likely be overvalued. The teams that are invested but don't have track records may be undervalued a little bit. So those Seattle and Detroit types of teams, uh, you know, maybe a team like the Giants, for example, they weren't expected to do anything here this year. They're firmly in the National League playoff picture. Those are teams that the market will say, okay, this can't continue. And we'll start to see some money come in against teams like that. But the reality is 
Look, this season was expected to be a crapshoot anyway. And you're talking about 60 games. Anything can happen in a 60-game sample with some of these teams. So I don't think it's worth laying the big prices on Houston or New York, but I do think it's worth laying the big prices to fade teams like the Red Sox and the Rangers and the Nationals especially and the Diamondbacks because these are teams that you know either had expectations or were trade deadline sellers. And when that dynamic happens and you've got all this stuff going on in the bubble and all these types of things, I don't think those teams are going to be invested. So watch the market closely here because you may have to pay some uncomfortable prices, but I do think that there will be some opportunities to do that here as we go forward. And that raises a question of teams like the Rangers and the Nationals and the Diamondbacks. What do you do when Lance Lynn is on the mound? You know, what do you do when Max Scherzer is on the mound? What do you do when Zach Gallen is on the mound? And, you know, when we look at Lance Lynn, for example, today against the Angels, the Angels suck. I mean, they're not a good team either. But you've got a situation here where Lance Lynn is a decent-sized home underdog, and he's pitched very well at Globe Life Field, like most of the pitchers that have wound up going on the mound at Globe Life Field. But you've got this Rangers team that's lost a bunch of games in a row. Their ace is on the mound. And they're still getting, you know, plus 115, plus 120 against an Angels team. It's also not really going anywhere. So, you know, it's a really interesting dynamic here across Major League Baseball. And and I do sort of wonder here, and I'll talk about this in a couple of minutes in the down the line segment, but, you know, what these line movements look like as we go forward here with other things to take away our attention, like college football and the NFL. Something I wanted to mention here quickly, offense-wise, The league-wide batting average on batted balls of 95-plus miles per hour is 512. We do have some teams that are some pretty big outliers in that department on the positive side and on the negative side. On the negative side, the bottom 10 in batting average of 95-plus mile per hour batted balls, the Rangers at 439, the Diamondbacks at 451. Again, two last-place teams there. The Indians at 470. They're a first-place team, but they're not doing much offensively. The Pirates and the Angels at 476. Phillies at 479. The A's, 484. Reds, 488. Yankees, 491. And the Dodgers at 494. So I talked about this a lot last year with the full-season sample size, but the really big outliers, in this case, the Rangers, the Diamondbacks, the Indians, the Pirates, Angels, Phillies, the teams under 480, that are quite a bit off from the league average of 512. You would expect some positive regression out of those teams. However, we've got some unique scenarios here this year. The Rangers in a great pitcher's park at Globe Life Field. The ball does not carry well there, so they haven't had a lot of success. The Diamondbacks at Chase Field with the Humidor. Uh, you know Their offensive platoon setup not really working out. Same thing for the Indians and the Pirates with their platoon setup. So maybe this year, those bad teams are just an outlier. Maybe this year, those teams will not positively regress to the mean. So I wouldn't expect the Rangers or the Diamondbacks or the Indians to all of a sudden start setting the world on fire offensively, even though conventional wisdom would suggest that they should see some regression to the mean. I don't think that will be the case here. So don't expect the Rangers or the Diamondbacks to all of a sudden figure things out offensively, maybe some modest gains, just 
based on sample size and increased sample size, a little bit more batted ball luck, but not anything that I would expect to be too earth-shattering. The top 10 here in batting average on batted balls of 95-plus miles per hour, the Red Sox at 583 hasn't really helped them a whole lot. Mets 562, Giants 561, Rockies 559, Orioles 556, White Sox 545, Royals 541, the Braves 535, Tigers 530, Marlins 527. Now the Red Sox here, you know, look, they were expected to be a good offensive team. We kind of knew that. We expected that. The pitching staff has been as bad as anticipated. I do think that there's a chance that the Red Sox offense regresses even a little bit more uh, just because, again, I mean, we're talking about a team that I just don't think has a high engagement level for the rest of the season. I think the Mets have gotten a little bit lucky on their high-velocity contact. The Giants have definitely gotten lucky on it. Uh, the Rockies, of course, course Field kind of throws a lot of things out of whack there. But for the most part, you know, I don't really see a whole lot of regression from this list of teams either. You know, you've got some teams that have higher batting averages because they don't have the sample size. The Marlins don't make a lot of hard contact. The Orioles don't make a lot of hard contact. So they're open to a little bit more interpretation with their batting average on high-velocity contact. Maybe they regress. Maybe they don't. I don't know. But again, I don't think there are any substantial outliers here in that department, except for maybe the Mets. Uh, again, just because, you know, I think the Mets offense is overachieving a little bit and City Field, generally not a great offensive ballpark. But I've talked about this, and this this has been something that I've kind of tried to follow through with my handicapping this season. The Mike Petrello tweet that I talked about prior to the start of the year about how teams that make more hard contact do have great success within the course of a game. Teams that make more hard contact, teams that have more barrels, wind up winning a lot of games. So I've tried to focus on that a lot more for this season here of betting on the team expected to make more high-velocity contact because it's going to help them out more offensively. Here are the top 10 in pitch percentage with batted balls of 95-plus miles per hour. The Dodgers, Blue Jays, Padres, Giants, White Sox, Braves, Tigers, Mets, Astros, and Nationals. So those are your top 10 in terms of high-velocity contact by pitch percentage. So those are teams that, you know, make a lot of hard contact, have a lot of success offensively as a result. And, you know, some of these teams are skewed a little bit to platoon splits, like the Tigers making a lot of hard contact off of lefties, uh, the Nationals, the same thing. But a lot of these teams are just good offensively across the board. The bottom 10, the Brewers, awful offensively so far this year. The Indians, same thing, terrible offensively. The Cardinals, Marlins, Reds, Rockies, Orioles, Angels, A's, and Mariners. So the A's are not making a lot of hard contact this season, which is why their offense has struggled a little bit and why they will be a fade team for me once the playoffs roll around. But these other teams here, again, teams that are not doing well offensively. The Rockies hit at home. They're the worst offense on the road. The Orioles were a surprise for a while. They've kind of fallen back a little bit offensively. The Angels have been a bad offense. The Reds just haven't had contact quality for several years. So these are things you want to take a look at here. Teams that make more hard contact are teams that you want to play on. Dodgers, Blue Jays, Padres, White Sox, Braves, 
Mets. I think the Mets will regress a little bit, but still, they've made a lot of hard contact this year. A lot of teams have not made a lot of hard contact. Brewers, Indians, Cardinals, Marlins, Reds, Rockies. Teams you probably want to fade. So, again, this is one of those things where we're just sort of looking at positive and negative regression to the mean. Looking at teams that make hard contact and teams that don't. Those are play-on teams that make hard contact. Those are fade teams that don't make a lot of hard contact. And I wouldn't expect this to change much over the last three, four weeks of the season here where... I do anticipate that the teams that are still making a lot of hard contact will continue to do so, and vice versa. The teams that aren't making a lot of hard contact will continue to struggle with that. I will say that the Dodgers are a little bit of a positive regression team, which is hilarious to say because they're so good. But when you look at them offensively, number one in frequency of hard-hit contact, 21st in batting average, they should get even better as the season goes along here. Like I said, the Mets possibly a little bit of a negative regression team. Uh, But, you know, again, we're just trying to find as many edges as we can here in baseball. And contact quality certainly appears to be one of them. For the down the line segment here, I just wanted to uh, sort of recap what we've been seeing a little bit over the last few days. And, you know, once again, we're still seeing market movement on those elite pitchers. But we're also seeing the worst of the worst take some money as well. And part of this is just that, you know, the influence of the numbers, guys, is still out there in the betting market. We saw some reluctant action on guys like Jordan Lyles and Zach Godley and Trevor Williams last week. You know, uh, the, the market knows that these guys are bad, but their prices wind up being a little bit out of whack. The numbers guys are going to play what the numbers tell them to play. That's why we see a little bit of money come in on some of these pitchers that are believed to be pretty bad. Uh, That will probably continue to be the case here as we go forward because, again, you know, with football coming back, I wonder about who's going to be in the baseball betting market. Maybe some public bettors will kind of keep going here, uh, you know, with the fact that they're back in the sportsbook world, they're playing football, stuff like that. Maybe during the week, they'll find some chances to play MLB. But on the whole, this is a market dictated by the modeling crowd, by the quant crowd, the numbers crowd. That won't change. And when you see these line movements happen here over the next three or so weeks, you'll know with confidence that these are, in a lot of cases, numbers plays. These are the numbers that the market, or excuse me, these these are the numbers that the modeling guys feel like are off. Do you want to trust them? That's up to you. But these will be the moves that we see here, and you can know that these are numbers-based very analytically savvy types of moves from the modeling crowd saying, okay, this price is off. And there have been a few games where I've gone against the grain here of late because, yeah, that price may have been off, but there's a reason why that guy's not any good. There's a reason why that guy's team isn't any good. So just know that you probably don't want to be afraid to go against market moves here for the last three or four weeks of the season You just have to know the context in which they are coming from. And in a lot of cases, they are from the modeling crowd saying that a line is too high or too low. Then it's up to you to go in there and find out why that line may have been believed to be too high or too low. And again, some of these bad pitchers are just bad and will just remain bad. And that's all there is to it. That's why I'm confident in going against some of those line moves here on a regular basis. Couple plays for today. I do like the under in that Angels-Rangers game. Uh, Like I just talked about, you know, two teams that 
don't make a lot of quality contact here and have not had success on the quality contact that they have made. That's Andrew Heaney and Lance Lynn and that one under eight. I believe that's minus 108, 107 or so out there in the market. And then also the Marlins for the first five. Going to back Sixto Sanchez against Kyle Wright and the Braves. Sanchez just looks really, really good. Very impressive numbers to this point. And Kyle Wright has not. But I don't want to go up against the Bra- or the Marlins bullpen uh, and the Braves bullpen. I don't want to deal with that. So I just went first five there with Miami in that one. As far as the week ahead goes, you know, I'm not doing this on Mondays anymore. So kind of tough to talk about the schedules a little bit for the series because a lot of them either start today or have already started. But I did want to highlight some potential look-ahead plays for me uh, before I'm back on the air with the betters box here again on Friday. Uh, Davey Garcia and the Yankees over Tanner Roark and the Blue Jays tomorrow. Tanner Roark has not pitched well. The market faded him to back Zach Godley last time out. That's a pretty telling move in and of itself. I think Tanner Roark is hurt. And when you're hurt, you don't control the baseball well. You don't command the baseball well. It's like the Yankees a little bit there in that one. Davey Garcia a pretty highly touted prospect on uh, the Yankees bullpen, you know, kind of getting some guys back in the fray here. So I do like the Yankees a little bit as a look ahead play for Wednesday. Also the Reds and Cubs under, and, and I mean, this one's not a surprise at all. It will be a low total, but this is Trevor Bauer and you Darvish big believer in what both guys are doing. Darvish has been exceptional now that he's gotten rid of the walk issues. Trevor Bauer increased spin rates, improved command and control. Like both of those guys there in that one. And then Thursday, the over in the Giants and Padres game. That right now is slated to be Trevor Cahill for the Giants, Chris Paddock for the Padres. Paddock is all over the place. And these are two teams in the top five in frequency of hard hit contact. So again, when you talk about teams that make a lot of hard contact, those are situations where you would expect offense. And I do expect some offense there in that game on Thursday between the Giants and the Padres. We'll be back on Thursday talking football here on ATS.io radio with Brad Powers, professional handicapper from bradpowersports.com. Friday, we'll be doing the betters box, and I'll also be talking about my Circa Million selections for week one. So keep an eye out for that over at ATS.io. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody, and I will talk to you again on Thursday.